go over our plan. What do we do when, when the big one comes this Friday? I think most of us would make a trip to the grocery store to make sure we had a little extra water and some food, maybe a, a trip to the sporting goods store to make sure we had some survivalist type of supplies. I think if we knew that the big one were coming this Friday, it would change all of our lives. But the fact is, I can't stand up here, nor can anyone else, and tell you with any degree of certainty that the big one is coming this Friday. The, the science of predicting earthquakes is not reliable. We just can't say for a certainty when it will come. But let me tell you today what I can say for an absolute certainty. I can tell you today for sure that the big one, it will come. I don't know when, but I, I know that it's coming. And I, I know that for a variety of reasons. We, we know that two of the most active earthquake faults in California run right through our county. We know that the San Andreas Fault and the San Jacinto Faults run right through San Diego County. We know that the Rose Canyon Fault runs right through San Diego. We know that the majority of San Diegans live within 15 miles of an active fault. But we also know that about 60% of San Diegans have done nothing to prepare for the big one. Now, unless you think this is a message today talking about earthquake preparedness, I've got to let you know our family would probably be numbered among those that haven't done near enough to get ready for the earthquakes. But I want you to find a parallel with that uh, in that with me, that many times we, we can know of something that's coming in vague terms and, and yet not prepare. I find a parallel to our lack of living prepared lives in, in the physical realm as well as is the spiritual one. And we have before us in Daniel 6, one of the great blockbusters in Scripture. It's an amazing, true-to-life accounting of a courageous man of faith who, who lived for God. He encountered an unexpected season in his life, a difficult season. But amazingly, he handled this unexpected trial in his life with grace, with dignity. He saw victory in it all. He forged ahead, and, and yet it was, it was unbeknownst to him. We know that this man in this passage of Scripture is named Daniel. And the occasion in his life that we're going to study today, we often just refer to as Daniel in the lion's den. And again, it's a great story. It's a harrowing adventure of deception and bravery and suspense and, and ultimately of, of victory. And uh, it's a story that I believe can be a great encouragement to us. And if you're able this morning, I'd like to invite you to join me in standing as we look to God's Word together. Daniel chapter 6. Daniel chapter 6 is where we're going to be today in our reading, and uh, we're going to cover quite a few verses, and I'm going to ask you this morning, would you be engaged in the reading with me? Follow along as we read these verses, and I believe that uh, the Lord, through His Word, can speak to your heart. And it begins in Daniel 6 and verse 1, when the Bible says this, It pleased Darius to set over the kingdom and 120 princes, which should be over the whole kingdom, and over, three, and over these three presidents of whom Daniel was first, that the princes might give accounts unto them, and the king should have no damage. Then this Daniel was preferred above the presidents and princes, because an excellent spirit was in him. And the king thought to set him over the whole realm. I want you to notice the Bible says in this text, in Daniel there was an excellent spirit. I looked at that and I thought there's got to be some spiritual connotation. Maybe it's a reference to the Holy Spirit and it's not. Really, in the truest sense of this expression, the Bible saying simply Daniel had a good attitude. In fact, the first time we read that Daniel had an excellent spirit in him, it was the queen of Babylon 
not exactly a follower of, of the God of the Bible, the queen of Babylon was introducing Daniel, and she wanted everybody to know, hey, this is Daniel, and Daniel's a man that has an excellent spirit. And friends, I want you to understand that so much of the success that we'll find in life, it will come to our ability to have a good attitude through whatever the season it is that we're going. Just have a good attitude, an excellent spirit, and that's the kind of man that Daniel was. He, he had a courageous spirit. Verse 4. Then the presidents and princes sought to find occasion against Daniel concerning the kingdom. But they could find none occasion nor fault for as much as he was faithful. Neither was there any error or fault found in him. Then said these men, We shall not find any occasion against this Daniel, except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. Then these presidents and princes assembled together to the king. And said thus unto him, King Darius, live forever. All the presidents of the kingdom, the governors and the princes, the counselors and the captains have consulted together to establish a royal statute and to make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. Now I'm going to read on. Occasionally the Bible uses expressions we frankly just don't use anymore. They said, King, we're, we're wanting to establish a law here that, that if anybody prays to any other god, save thee, or except for you, king, elevating this man to the status of deity, making the king the object of the prayers for a period of, of 30 days. And let's look on in verse 8. Now, O king, establish the decree and sign the writing that it be not changed according to the law of the Medes and Persians, which altereth not. Wherefore, King Darius signed the writing and the decree. Now, when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house, and his windows being open in his chamber Towards Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. Then these men assembled and found Daniel praying and making supplication before his God. Again, we'll pause there and I'll read on in a moment. These men go to the king. Hey, king, we want you to live forever. We think you're great. We've been talking. We'd like to have a law so that nobody could pray to anyone but you. Kings typically have a pretty big ego, an overinflated sense of self. And so the king thought, well, that sounds good to me. Basically, if I get this right, what you're saying is, is I'll be God. No one can pray to any other name save mine, except for mine, for a period of, of, thir of 30 days. Scared me there. thought I got shot. All right. And so the king said, boy, that sounds good to me. He hadn't thought it through. And we're going to get into this in a moment. He hadn't thought it all the way through. And so this law was signed. And Daniel, the Bible says, he, he just went ahead and continued to pray to God. And he's found out in this. And we're going to pick up our reading in verse 16. And people take note of what it is that Daniel's done. The Bible goes on to say this. Then the king commanded and they brought Daniel and cast him into the den of lions now the king spake and said unto Daniel, Thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. And a stone was brought and laid upon the mouth of the, of the den. And the king sealed it with his own signet and with the signet of his lords, that the purpose might not be changed concerning Daniel. Now when the Bible says it was sealed with a signet, it, it means that the stone would be placed, it was sealed in such a way that if the seal were broken, someone could know foul play was, was happening. And so it was sealed with the king's signet, his sign, with that of his lords. Verse 18. 
Then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. The the king couldn't sleep. He was worried about Daniel. Verse 19. Then the king arose very early in the morning and went in haste under the den of lions. And when he came to the den, he cried with a lamentable voice unto Daniel. And the king spake and said to Daniel, O Daniel, servant of the living God, is thy God whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? Then said Daniel unto the king, O king, live forever. My God hath sent his angel and hath shut the lions' mouths, that they have not hurt me. For as much as before him innocency was found in me, and also before thee, O king, have I done no hurt. Then the king was exceedingly glad for him. And commanded that they should take Daniel up out of the den. So Daniel was taken up out of the den. And no manner of hurt was found upon him. Because he believed in his God. And friends, let me tell you today. There is great power in your faith in God. And the God of your faith. Daniel was a man of faith. He was a man of flesh and blood. He was not exceptional in the sense that he had the same things we have. But this was a man that had a faith in God. And it affected his life greatly. Verse 24. And the king commanded that they brought uh, those men which had accused Daniel and they cast them into the den of lions. Them, their children, and their wives. And the lions had the mastery of them and break all their bones in pieces or ever they came at the bottom of the den. And we'll read on in the course of time. But I think we got a pretty good idea of what took place in this great blockbuster in Scripture. I want you to go to the end of verse 16. As the king here regrettably is throwing his friend Daniel into the lion's den as he was tricked into this law, he says to Daniel in the midst of verse 16, he he said, Daniel, thy God, whom thou servest continually, he will deliver thee. Daniel, I, I know you're going into a lion's den, but I want you to know something. You're God. The one you serve continually, not, not, not the God of just the weekends or the God you periodically follow, not, not the God that you, you kind of are into, but the God that you continually with your life, Daniel, that God, the one you serve continually, he will deliver you. That's verse 16. Now I want you to make your way down to verse 20. Near the end of verse 20, after a night has gone by and the king is, is worried, near the end of verse 20, O Daniel, servant of the living God, Is thy God, whom thou servest continually, able to deliver thee from the lions? In verse 16, he said it just as though it were a matter of fact. God will deliver you. Your God will deliver you. And then as this event unfolds, he comes to the end of it all and he shouts to Daniel as he's still with the lions. Daniel, was God able to come through for you? Was he able to help you in this situation? And Daniel was able to give testimony to the fact that God can do anything but fail. And the God that delivered Daniel can deliver us in the various trials through which we'll go. And I want us to take a look at this great blockbuster in Scripture and be helped today. I'm going to pray right now and ask God to bless this time of study. And here's what I want you to do while I'm praying. I want you to be praying in your heart. Lord, help me. Encourage me. And uh, let's do our best. Give all of our attention to the course of this study. Lord, we're grateful that you uh, are a great God. We're thankful that you love us, that you've provided for us, uh, that you help us in the midst of the difficulties through which we go. Thank you for Daniel's story that you inspired and preserved so that we can study it today. 
Help us now, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. You may be seated. To think that Daniel, a Jewish man living as a captive in the nation of Babylon, would have risen to such prominence is amazing. It's a great testimony to his life, to his spirit, and it's also a great testimony to the hand of God that was great upon Daniel. And so Daniel began to serve and he began to be noticed because he was doing a great job. And, and so he began to be advanced and advanced and advanced until now, having begun as, a, as just a captive in a strange land. He's one of the three most powerful men in the entire nation. This was something that was noticed clearly. And it was noticed by those that really weren't real happy with Daniel's presence there. They weren't excited by the fact that he was getting the authority and the notoriety. And so Daniel's growth brought jealousy into his life. We see that they resented the favor that he had received. Now, in an attempt to remove Daniel as a threat to their power, they decided that they would make a plan to get Daniel out of the way. These people who didn't like Daniel knew two things. First of all, they knew that Daniel was a man of God. They knew that Daniel loved the Lord that he was a man of prayer, they understood that. But they knew something else. They knew that the king, King Darius, was a vain man and a proud man. And so they got together and concocted a plan. Listen, we know Daniel's a, a man of prayer. He's going to pray. And we know the king is, is a vain man, an arrogant man. And so they got together, and the Bible says that they, they approached the king and said, King, Make a firm decree that whosoever shall ask a petition of any god or man for 30 days, save of thee, O king, he shall be cast into the den of lions. And so the king, who loved Daniel, is tricked. Because of his pride, he, he's kind of, he's kind of uh, uh, enamored with the thought of being exalted to a position of deity himself. And so they were basically seeking to outlaw prayer for a period of, of 30 days. And so, again, the king loved the sound of that. He didn't realize his advisors were really tricking him, creating a situation that they thought would certainly lead to the death of Daniel. The king signed the law. It was the law of the Medes and Persians, the Bible says. It says it was an unalterable law. What this meant was once the king made this law, not even the king could change his own law. So Daniel was now faced with a test. Well, what's he going to do here? Is he going to continue to pray as he always has and be thrown into the den of lions? Or maybe he'll continue to pray, but he'll do it in a way where no one will notice. He'll become an undercover believer in our vernacular. We might say an undercover Christian. Or maybe as the opposition comes, as the pressure comes, as the threat of persecution comes, maybe Daniel could just say, you know, I've prayed quite a bit in my life. I think I'll just stop praying and avoid the trouble altogether. And what Daniel does is nothing Less than amazing. The Bible says in Daniel 6 and verse 10 that when Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being opened in his chamber toward Jerusalem, he kneeled upon his knees three times a day and prayed and gave thanks before his God as he did aforetime. There's no mention here of hesitation. There's no mention here of panic. We just find that when Daniel hears about this law, his response to that law is, all right, that's the law, but I've got a higher law that I must answer to, a law from God. And so he makes his way right to his home as, as he does, as is his pattern, and, and he continues to pray. You get the idea that there was a predetermination to handle this time well. And true to his own law, the king very sadly had to execute judgment upon Daniel. We read of this in Daniel 6 and verse 18. The Bible says, then the king went to his palace and passed the night fasting. Neither were instruments of music brought before him, and his sleep went from him. 
So the king has to throw Daniel in the lion's den, but he's so upset about this, he can't eat, he doesn't want to hear any music, he's just pining away the wee hours of the morning, worrying about Daniel, but to everyone's surprise, when the morning comes, Daniel is not gone, God preserved his life. And again, God did not bring this accounting to us for the purpose of entertainment, it's for edification and and for encouragement. So what can we learn about the surprise seasons of stress? Daniel had no idea a lion's den was was in his future, but he handled it well. What can we learn about these surprise seasons of stress that come into our lives? If you have your notes nearby, I think we can notice first that before the lion's den, Daniel had a godly pattern. He had a godly pattern. You see, before this season began, Daniel's enemies were watching him and looking trying to find out what can they find in Daniel's life that they can use against him, that they can trick him by. And and the only area they thought they could expose was his faith in God. As they talked, the Bible says they said this, we shall not find any occasion against this Daniel except we find it against him concerning the law of his God. See, Daniel's faith was, was no secret. Three times a day, Daniel would pray. And he would pray with his windows open. He wasn't arrogant in his faith, but he was not apologetic in his faith. He wasn't hiding in his faith. It was just simply his custom, three times a day, to go where his windows were open, looking towards his homeland, and praying to God. And and I want you to know that his faith was obvious. It was evident for others to see. He really embodied the words of Jesus Christ, who in Matthew chapter 5, verses 15 and 16 said this, Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel, but on a candlestick, and it giveth light unto all that are in a house. Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's what Daniel was doing. He was letting the light of his testimony of faith in God to shine in such a way that others took note of it. They noticed that he was a man of faith in the Lord. Now, if any of us here today were to be thrown in a lion's den, I'm sure that all of us would begin to pray, you know, and I think that would be a good thing to do. If you were confronted with a lion, you'd probably want some divine intervention, I would imagine. And, and uh, you know, they say there's no atheists in foxholes. I don't know there are any atheists in lion's dens either. And so if we landed in a lion's den, we'd begin to pray. But I, I wonder if some of our prayers would have to be prayed this way. Dear Lord, it's Steve. Chapel. I haven't talked to you in a long, long time. Um... I'm kind of in a difficult situation down here. I'm in a lion's den, Lord, and, and there's these, these hungry lions, and they're looking at me like they're starving and ready to eat. And, and well, Lord, I know that we haven't talked in a long time, and I know I haven't really taken any of the counsel you've given me to heart, and, and I know that I've kind of been on again, off again. And, and Lord, I, I, I know what's right, and I, I've kind of willingly chosen to do that which is wrong and and really about that time in my prayer how many of you think i'd probably have a lion right on top of me you know now i'm not suggesting that if we've been far from god and we have a come to jesus moment through a lion's den experience that we should not come to jesus i think it's always good to come to jesus some come when they see the light some come when they feel the heat and i'm a big fan of prayer and if you're far from god and you're entering into a lion's den season in life i would encourage you to pray the point i'm making from this text is that it would be better to have been all prayed up before we get in to the lion's den. You remember Samson, we studied him a few weeks ago. His prayer to God began this way. Oh God, next two words, remember me? 
Wouldn't you like to know that when the lions are there and they're looking at you and they're seeing a, a cheeseburger in their mind's eye, they're getting ready to eat? Wouldn't you like to know? God, listen, we've been talking all day long. I've been walking with you and talking with you and I know you're there and, and Lord, I'm continuing to need you now. Wouldn't it be great to know that the connection was available? Think of that. Game time is no time to get in shape. To do your best, you need to show up conditioned. And if your stress is providing you again with that moment that encourages you to come to the Lord, do so. But the point of this lesson today is this. We need not be surprised by the surprising moments in our lives. Let me tell you what your life consists of, and it's the same for me. Our lives consist of one unexpected event after another. Life is not predictable. You're not going to figure life out. Just about the time you get in a normal cadence in life, and it seems, like, it seems like you haven't had anything bizarre happen, you better, you better take note. It's coming. And so what we need to do is say, you know something? I need, to be, I need to stop being shocked every time something comes into my life that I wouldn't have expected. We need to be like Daniel and have a pattern of faithfulness in our lives so when those unexpected times come, we can say, Lord, I knew it would be something. I didn't know it would be this. And I didn't know it would be now, but God, I knew it would be something. And I'm glad I'm walking with you today as I'm heading into this lion's den. Oh, that's the attitude to have. How did Daniel prepare for this unexpected time? He simply lived a life that was in touch with God. He had a living, vibrant, real relationship with God. He prayed three times a day, and that was the pattern we find in David's life, King David. The Bible tells us of David in Psalm 55 and verse 17, that evening and morning and at noon, he said, will I pray and cry aloud and he shall hear my voice every day of our lives, friends, every day of our lives should include a time where we open the word of God, the Bible, and we let God speak to us every day. We should do that. We find spiritual strength when we do that. Every day of our lives, there should be a time where we talk to God in prayer. We've heard from him through the word. He hears from us through prayer. And I would encourage you that we should be faithful in our attendance at church. I know you're here today. I'm preaching to the choir, so to speak, to use that expression. But I think it's just so important for Christians to understand that we haven't been saved to be the lone ranger, to be kind of some, you know, uh, uh, some in independent agent. We're just going through it on our own. God says, listen, I loved you enough. I provided salvation for you through the death of my son, Jesus. But I also love you enough to have created an organism called the local New Testament church that you do well to be a part of as closely as you can. You see, we need to obey those Hebrews 10, 25 type of verses where the Bible says this, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. Not forsaking, that you say, well, pastor, really, what does that mean? Not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together. The Bible says there's value, there's power in, in, in coming together and worshiping the Lord as a family. And so we need that time alone. We need that time with others. Did Daniel know a lion's den was awaiting him? Absolutely not. But he lived in such a way that he was prepared, come what may. And so we see what was happening before the lion's den. But as we move on today, let's see what it was that was happening in the lion's den. In the lion's den, Daniel had God's presence. The book of Daniel is a great book in the Bible. To be honest with you, there are passages in, in the book of Daniel that are very hard to understand, and we're going to mention those in a moment. But earlier in the book of Daniel, there's a great accounting of, of, the Bible just calls them three Hebrew children, three Hebrew young men, and they were friends of Daniel's, and, and they were confronted with a similar situation that Daniel is here. For them, here was the situation. There was a giant altar built, and, and they were told, you worship that false god, this altar, this idol made in the image of the king, or 
we're going to throw you into a fiery furnace. Well, these young men thought about it for about that long, and they said, no. I'm not bowing down to this uh, uh, altar. I'm not bowing down to this image of a pagan king. I'm not going to do it. They refused. And as they were preparing to be tossed into the flames, they had no idea what was going to happen. In Daniel 3, verses 17 and 18, this is what they said. They said, if it be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace, and he'll deliver us out of thine hand, O king. But if not, be it known unto thee, O king, that we will not serve thy gods, nor worship the golden image which thou hast set up. And the key to that statement is found in the words, but if not. They were saying basically this, king, we really have no idea how God's going to handle this. But we know one thing today, we're not worshiping that image. We're not going to betray our God. We know the difference between right, right and wrong, and we've already decided we're with, with God. We're not going to worship that image. They're thinking, you know, it may be that in the midst of this persecution as we're thrown into the fiery furnace, it may be that God will deliver us. It may be that God will let us die physically in this furnace and that'll be the end of it. But they said, either way, either way, if we die or if God saves us, we're done with you, king, and we're going to do right. Come what may. We're not looking at this in terms of what's the easiest. We're looking at it in the terms of what's right. As they went into the flames, they noticed someone else's presence was there with them. It's the presence of God. They were thrown into the fiery furnace, and as they're in there, their, their lives gave testimony to the fact that as they were going through that time, God was with them. You know, that's the same testimony that Daniel gives us today. If Daniel were here, he'd say, listen, let me tell you something. If you're ever tossed in a, of, a den of lions because of your faith, you need to know something. God will be there with you. He'll be there in the midst of it. That's, that's what Daniel learned here. You see, what I'm saying today is this. There's nowhere you can go in life if you're a child of God where he's not there with you. David went so far as to say it this way in Psalm 139, verses 8 through 10. He said, if I ascend up into heaven, thou art there. If I make my bed in hell, behold, thou art there. If I take the wings of the morning and dwell in the uttermost parts of the sea, even there shall thy hand lead me, and thy right hand shall hold me. Friends, I'm so happy to tell you today that although events come into our lives that we don't expect, they never take God by surprise. Every day we find a new event, sometimes a blessing we weren't expecting, but, but all the time these unexpected events come in our lives, and God has been preparing us, and He's with us. I came across a verse recently just reading the Bible for, for my own personal devotions. And, and it was a great verse in Psalm 91 and verse 15 where the Bible says, He shall call upon me and I will answer him. I will be with him in trouble. How many of you like me from time to time you find yourself in trouble? I was glad to find a verse in Scripture to tell me that even when I'm in trouble, God's with me. It doesn't matter where you are or what you're going through today. If you're a child of God, He's there. Maybe you're today in the midst of an incredible time of temptation. And I'm not naive to the fact that all of us encounter temptation and all of us have seasons where it's particularly intense. So, Pastor, here I am in the midst of, of this temptation. We, we know what's right, we want to do right, but so often we find ourselves doing that which is wrong. Well, the Bible in 1 Corinthians 10, 13 tells us this. There hath no temptation taken you 
but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that ye may be able to bear it. We often run through that verse so quickly we don't understand a promise from God there. You see, if the Lord is in the middle of that verse making a way of escape, that means He's in your presence. If He's there in your temptation saying, hey, here's the way to go to get out of it, that means He's right there with you. God is an ever-present God. Maybe like David, you're walking through the valley of the shadow of death. Well, let's not forget what David said in Psalm 23, 4. He said, you know, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I'll fear no evil. Why? David says, for thou art with me. You see, Daniel, he could not have known how it would all turn out, but he did write knowing that God would be with him every step of the way. Some time ago, we had a man to attend our church, and he had a variety of problems. I don't know all of them. Some of them became clear to me, but... As uh, he came to our church, he wanted to talk with me one day, and so I agreed to talk with him, and, and we began our meeting as he shared with me that God audibly spoke to him. Now, I believe God can speak to us today through his word, and I believe God can even impress things upon our hearts through, through brothers and sisters in Christ. I, I believe God speaks to us in that sense, but uh, you know, as of yet, I haven't audibly had a sit-down conversation with God, and, and that's where this conversation began, and it got weirder from there. He said, God spoke to me. Oh, he did. And uh, he said uh, basically this, Pastor, here's what I want to happen. Um, God told me, he said, to tell you to tell another lady in the church that she is supposed to marry me. And in response to that request, I said, no. Okay, that's how I responded to that request. I, I said, you know, I believe if God wants that lady to know that, he could probably put that on her heart. He doesn't need either you or me trying to, to say that. And, and so I said, no, I, I'm not going to do that. But God told me to tell you to do that. And I said, I don't know who told you what, but I'm telling you I'm not going to do that. And that led to the next conversation, which was this. I was told, since God spoke through me to you and you disobeyed, God's now going to use me to bring judgment upon you. And it got weirder and weirder. He said, as Nathan judged David, so I will judge you. And it was just going on and on. And then the letters and then the, I'm telling you, and it got really weird. And I won't go into all the details. Some of you, as I'm telling this story, you might be thinking back to a time where we did a few things differently here. And as some lights may be going on. But as all this was going on, it was just, it was incredibly unsettling. And I really felt like I was dealing with someone that was very unpredictable. I didn't know that we could reason with one another. I wasn't sure if that were available. And and I remember on the night where it all came to a head, and again, I'm skipping a lot of the story, but uh, I found out there'd been an arrest made already that night as, as a couple people were assaulted and the, the trek was being made to, to our neighborhood. And already the police had been called twice on one Sunday here at Coastline. It was getting more and more and more bizarre and, 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 and the messages on the machine and on and on. And, and this is the night. I, could, I knew it was all coming to a head. I heard of some of what was going on and... And I thought, he's on his way to my house. Now, would that be an uncomfortable evening at your home? You know? So we're at home, and I, I found myself peering uh, through the blinds. Is he coming? And what do I do? You know? And uh, as, I, as I looked through the blinds, I saw a familiar car drive by. It was a car of a man in our church who's in law enforcement who heard of what was going on, and he just determined, you know something? Uh, I don't think pastors should have to go through this all by himself. And he just kind of volunteered to say, I'm going to stay close. And I'm going to drive around. And I'm going to keep an eye on things. 
How many of you would appreciate a friend like that in a moment like that? I was so very grateful that somebody knew what we were going through and cared about. But frankly, there were a few friends of mine who thought, oh, that's ridiculous. It's much to do about nothing. No, it was not. It was a big deal. And, and there was someone that understood that and knew what we were going through and cared enough to get very, very close. Let me share with you, that's exactly how God is in our times of difficulty. He's not running from us because we're in a season of stress. He's drawing near to us. He cares. The Bible in Psalm 34 and 18 tells us that the Lord is nigh or he's close to those that are of a broken heart. Think of that. You see, to say Daniel spent a night with the lions would be correct, but it would be insufficient. Daniel would say, no, it wasn't the lion's company I enjoyed. God was there with me in the lion's den. He had God's presence. And, and finally today we see after the lion's den, Daniel had God's power. Now, there's no doubt that Daniel had God's power before, during, and after this experience, but I want you to understand that this experience with the lions gave Daniel a unique opportunity to brag about his God. This season of stress, this unexpected season of stress, was an opportunity in his life to glorify God. When the king had Daniel pulled out of the, out of the, out of the den, the, the guys that deceived him were then thrown in, and they didn't do as well as Daniel did. The king, all right, the king made a decision. I want them, their wives, their children thrown in. And the Bible says that the lions break all their bones in pieces. I love the way the Bible states things like this. It wasn't enough to say they break their bones. They were broken in pieces by these lions. And following that, here's what we read in Daniel 6.25. Then Darius wrote unto all people, nations, and languages that dwell in all the earth. Peace be multiplied unto you. I make a decree that in every dominion of my kingdom men tremble in fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God. And steadfast forever in his kingdom, that which shall not be destroyed, and his dominion shall be even unto the end. He delivereth and rescueth, and he worketh signs and wonders in heaven and in earth, who hath delivered Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered in the reign of Darius and in the reign of Cyprus, uh, Cyrus the Persian. It was a world-changing moment. Because Daniel went through a den of lion experience, God gave him the opportunity so that through his trial more people could know about God. Beyond that, as we get done with Jan Daniel chapter 6, we come to Daniel chapter 7 through Daniel chapter 12. It's a portion of the book of Daniel that is just filled with some of the deepest and richest prophecies in all of Scripture is given through Daniel. Now, I know that God's hand was on Daniel's life before this, but I'm saying after this experience, this watershed moment in his life, this unexpected season of stress through which he went in such a great way, it was at that time that God used his influence to touch the whole world in terms of a witness. It was after that time that God, through Daniel, brought prophecies that to this day we read and study. You see, only God can take an experience that we think is horrible in that moment and use it in a way whereby he can receive more glory. God's just good that way he's a great God the Bible tells us in Romans 8 and 28 and we know that all things work together for good to them that love God to them who are the called according to his purpose later in that same passage we read this in Romans 8 35 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword 
And the point the Bible is making is there is absolutely nothing, there is nothing that can separate a child of God from the love of God. There is nothing that can separate us from the love of God found in a relationship through Christ. And the only natural question we need to deal with before we're done today is this. So do you have a relationship with God through faith? Do you know what it is to have that relationship with God? Because I can't stand up here and say, the earthquake's not coming. Don't listen to them. What do they know? Earthquake. Ridiculous. No, I've got to tell you that the nature of earthquakes is very similar to the nature of adversity we go through in life. It's just unpredictable, man. I don't know when it's coming, and I don't know what it's going to look like in your life, but I'm, I'm here to tell you in a physical sense, shakeups are coming. And, and in every other sense, shakeups are coming. And we all would do well to prepare this side of the trauma so that we can walk through it in a dignified way where God's glory can be seen in our lives. And that all begins with knowing for an absolute certainty that we have this relationship with God, knowing that we have this relationship with God. Now, maybe you're here today and you say, you know, Pastor, I, I know that I have this relationship with God through faith in Jesus Christ. This relationship has been established. All right, well, let me ask this. Are you living for the Lord? Could it be said of you as it was said of Daniel that there was a pattern of faithfulness in his life? Because the lion's den moment's coming in our lives. And we don't want our prayer to begin there this way. God, remember me? We want to say, God, I'm glad I've been walking with you. I'm glad I've been in your word. I'm glad I've been on my knees. I'm glad I've been in the fellowship of other brothers and sisters in Christ. God, I didn't expect this. I would have never in a million years imagined this coming into my life. But God, if I got to go through this, I'm so glad that I can do it with you walking by my side. You see, there's something for all of us in this text. What I'm saying today is this. The big one, it's coming. Are you ready? Our Father, thank you for the opportunity to be encouraged by you through your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not be like 60% of San Diegans who know that something's coming and just do nothing about it. I pray that you, through your spirit, would touch our hearts and lead us closer to you. For some today, Lord, that would be the first step of just accepting you as Savior. Perhaps steps of growth along the way. Help us, we pray. Heads are bowed and eyes are closed today, and, and we'll be done in a moment. Our hope, our prayer is that God, through the teaching and preaching of his word, would, would minister to us, would, would speak to our hearts, so to speak. And, and the invitation time, which is this time in the service, it's all about the purpose of God then hearing from us. Let's say God and his message says, you know, for you, this relationship needs to be started today. You're not sure. And today's the day. Then a good response back to the Lord would be, all right, today is a day of of beginnings for me. I, I will accept this relationship with God by faith. Maybe you're here today and, and really the Lord to you said, listen, you know very well. It couldn't be said of you that you're praying three times a day, so to speak. Your faith is not known. And in your heart today, you know that this could be a, a time where God impresses upon your heart really the need to draw close to him, to draw close to the family of faith by way of fellowship. 